0: Good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome to another edition. Well, I guess I should say, um, since since our last talk, I don't know that we had officially named this. Um, no,
1: I think we so left it at whiskey and something.
0: Something we did, I, but anyway, since then we have come up with the brilliant name of Drunk Agile. So look for, hopefully, look for DrunkAgile.com. You know, coming to a website near you. Um, again, my name is Daniel Vacanti, and joining me is Pratik Singh. Pratik Singh, and. Um, uh, I think we're, we we start off every night. Um, I don't know. Do we do the topic or the whiskey first? I forget.
1: Uh, I think we wanted to do the whiskey first last time, but we did the topic first, but I think we should do whiskey first.
0: Let's do the whiskey first. Do you want to start with yours?
1: Yeah. Um, I have a beautiful sherry cask Ak-tashin. Um It's at 59.9%. In fact, this is, this is a bottle that uh, Dan had bottled himself at... The distillery, and I know, and you can finally go on record saying that you regret giving me this bottle.
0: Uh, (laughs) You beat me to it. You know, as (laughs) always, you're stealing my thunder. I definitely regret letting that one out of my collection, but at least it's being being drunk in a good cause. Um, I also decided to go with uh, with an Auchentoshan. This is a 19 year old, 52.4%. It's actually double aged. It was first in a bourbon barrel, but then second Mm. in a Chateau Lafitte. Barrel. Oh,
1: that bourbon barrel is probably why it has a darker color
0: than. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we were just we're just kind of looking yeah. at the color. It's it, it. I mean, it has kind of that uh, um that kind of more golden color. So um anyway, cheers to everybody. Cheers to pratique. And um let's uh, let's see if we can we can get our topic out of the way before we get drunk. So just before we started the call. Um, You might see behind Pratik. we were kind of you know taking some notes in terms of some things that we we might want to cover. I I don't we're we're definitely not going to get through all of these things (laughs) in this episode but hopefully it's a progression as we go through. So the last episode, assuming we're doing these in order, uh, the last episode was talking about uh, story points and the problem with story points in general just just from a from an estimation perspective, from a forecasting perspective and, and things like that. So we decided well okay since we hopefully have debunked the whole story point thing uh, you know, what, what, is, what is its re- replacement? Well, before we get into the replacement, we, we kind of have to go through a whole evolution of, um, of I don't know what level setting background. Yeah.
1: How do even, how do you even shift the mindset from where traditional methods have taken the mindset to?
0: Exactly, exactly. So one, one of the biggest problems, if you remember from our last episode, one of the biggest problems with story points is it kind of anchors us in this idea of determin, deterministic thinking, this idea that we can know the future with 100% certainty up front, mm-hmm. um, which hopefully by the end of this episode, you will understand that that is just definitely definitely not the case. Um, so I don't know if you want to kick us off with some thoughts about, about deterministic thinking and why it's bad. Or,
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you, you kind of started down that path, right? It's almost every other walk of life, almost everything else in life, we, we forecast or we predict probabilistically. We never believe that um, there is one outcome, um, whether it's sports, whether it's Driving to work, whatever it is. In fact, or or it's as 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 you say in your in your uh, your project beha- behaves like a hurricane talk. Uh, whether it's life and death uh, forecast with hurricanes, um, where we talk about a range of probabilities and what are the odds of of, of each of these coming up.
0: Okay, well, so can you say a little bit more about that? Because you talked about you talked about sports. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about like the commute to work. Uh, uh, you know maybe most of our people are struggling to think uh, you know when i'm when I'm watching football when proper football not American football by the way, or when i'm um, when I'm watching cricket, God forbid mm-hmm. um, where how how why isn't that deterministic in my drive to work what how is that not i don't know can you say some more about that
1: Yeah, that's, i mean since 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 you brought up cricket, we have to talk about this right
0: oh god um <laughs> hold on <laughs> I don't think there's enough I don't th- everybody i don't think I don't think I've got enough, but go ahead
1: well l- let's say whether it's cricket, whether it's, it's, it's football, um, let's say the World Cup's coming up. I mean, you're going to go as, as pretending this is Cricket World Cup. I want India to win. That is where I would want to put my money. But I cannot be 100% sure that India will win. I might have 100% desire that India wins, but it's not 100% sure each team, whatever, 16 teams that are playing the World Cup, each one of them has a certain probability, a certain odds of winning. Same for a football World Cup, same for uh, the, the NFL. The, the team that is going to win the, the Super Bowl is not uh, 100% lock in till they have actually won the Super Bowl. Every team is a probability. Is a possibility, and has a probability attached to it.
0: Right. Speaking of which, I mean, a kind of a kind of a, a great example of that in recent times was when uh, uh, when Leicester City won the Premier League. Yep. Um, when was that? Was that uh, two years ago? Two years ago, it? I think it was two years ago. I think it was three years ago. Anyway, I I should know this. Um, all you Leicester City fans, my apologies. Um, but they started the season at what five thousand to one, right? Mm-hmm. You know, five thousand one odds. And we maybe if we were prepared, we could kind of talk about really what those five thousand one odds you know, really mean, like, you know, our, yeah. you know our, our, like you said, our chances of trying to work or chances of, you know, dying in a plane crash or, or whatever, mm-hmm. chances of, of um, contracting COVID-19, COVID-19 whatever yeah. it is. Um, but yeah, but yeah, there's that. But what about what about so but what about the driving to work? How is that? How is that probabilistic? So I, I look at Google, and I put in my number and it, it says 39 minutes. It says exactly 39 minutes. Isn't that what yeah. that means?
1: But yeah. But if you, if you drive for two minutes or five minutes and look at it again, it probably changed it. Yeah. it that, that's, that's the, that's the fun part. I, I take that almost the exact same, well, not these days, but when I used to drive to work, uh, I took the same route to work every day, but every day, the amount of time it would take door to door would be different. So Google can give you a, a high degree of confidence estimate and we'll talk a bit about that in probably in this episode and following episodes. Um, Google can give you a high degree of confidence estimate, but what's what it does really well is as you go further in, it revises its estimate, it revises its forecast um, as you go in, yes. Yeah.
0: Um, so, and and this is something, hopefully, yeah, like you said, whether we touch on it in this, um, in this episode or some future episode, um, there's, there's certainly a better job, I, I think anyway, there's certainly a better job that Google Maps or whatever could do in, in terms of communicating that. Um, because I think most people, when they, when they pull up maps and they enter in the address and they, and they see 39 minutes, they think, oh, Google, Google, it says 39, right? Google obviously knows what they're talking about. So that means it's going to be 39 minutes with 100% certainty. And what they don't understand is kind of maybe potentially what they don't understand is what you're talking about is in the background. Um, you know, Google is is constantly updating that forecast. And so that 39 minutes is probably more like, you know, at the 95th percentile or 85th percentile or, 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 something like that. And that's, I think that's really where we need to get to when we're starting to talk about deterministic versus probabilistic thinking is, um, as, as you just said, 100% does not exist in our world. When we're talking about forecasts, 100% just does not exist. So now once we're less than 100%, we throw determinism out the window and we have to start taking a more probabilistic approach because what that means is there's risk involved. There's, there's risk involved and our, the forecasts that we communicate have to somehow communicate how, how much risk is, is involved. So, I mean... How does that let,
1: work? Yeah, let me, let, me, let me ask you something though. If, if people have used deterministic forecasts for a long time, I mean, almost um, almost every forecast you come along on a daily basis has this exact number on it. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk more about what that number really means or what wh- you, you were just talking about having confidence intervals or delaying or more of a probabilistic approach, but we've used traditionally, we've used deterministic forecasts for a long time.
0: Um, can I talk about it? No. <laughs> um, well, so I don't. I don't know. If, I don't know if you're. If you're asking about um, how our customers interpret that number or why those mes- methods themselves are fail, or um, are you talking?
1: Sort of all of the above in the sense that I think one, how do you think our customers take that number when we give them a number? When I say thirty days, what, are the, what, is, what is the customer thinking? And two, um, the traditional methods that we use to come up with thirty days. Yeah. Uh, what's the confidence attached with that?
0: Yep. Yeah. So let's yeah let's 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 talk about this and um, uh, it's 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 an example. It's 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 one of my classic examples that I like to give in a lot of my talks. Is you know let's say. Let's say we're working on a project um, and it's gone, that project has gone for one week. And in that one week, we got 12 stories done. Okay. Let's further say that we know there are 120 stories left in our backlog, right? So we've worked for one week, we got 12 stories done, there's 120 stories left in our backlog. Um, you know, traditionally, how might we figure out, uh, you know, when will, when will that project be done? Ten weeks, duh, easy. Well, yeah. Traditional methods would say something like, "Yeah, well, duh." You take 120 uh, divided by 12, you get 10, and it's 10 weeks. The problem is, so when we communicate that 10 weeks to our customers, what are our customers thinking? You know, our customers are again thinking, just like with the Google Maps example, they said they said 10 weeks. They must, or even worse, you know, if we were to say, you know, 7.2 weeks, right? If we were giving give some ridiculous precision associated with the number our customers are going to think, oh, wow, these people really must know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got to be exactly 10 weeks. But as you know where we're going, what is, what's the problem with that 10-week number? Can, can you maybe help us out with understanding what, what, what's the problem with 10 weeks, given, yeah. given that answer?
1: The problem is, uh, actually the problem is very well described by a book called The Flaw of Averages. What, what, mm-hmm. what we're really doing is doing a regression. We're taking this one number and saying, that's our average stories per week. That's multiplied by the number of weeks, and we get to 120. Okay, so that's 10. Yeah, the flaw of yeah. averages, the, the, and we talk about this all the time. That it's a great book, and the tagline there being "plans based on average fail on average."
0: Yeah. So the flaw of averages by Dr. Sam Savage. If you haven't read it, you absolutely have to go out and read it. Um, the good news is you only really have to read the first half of the book. Second half of the book is, you know, maybe uh, more more. more I don't know, dare. I say trivial, um, but but for sure the message the message in the first half of the book. But what's interesting, you know, g- given the um, given the context we're in right now, uh, when I'm watching all of these statistics roll in about you know COVID nineteen cases and you know and things mm-hmm. like that, you see flawed averages all over the place. You see it on, and I can't tell you how many um, how many articles I've seen comparing um, COVID nineteen cases with I, the, the, actually the the worst um, The worst offender that I saw was this article compared this year's COVID-19 cases with the average of the past nine years of flu, right? And they're like, look, this this year is higher than the average of the past nine years of flu. Classic example of the flaw of averages, because of course, if you're comparing with an average, some years are gonna be above and some years are gonna be below. That's just the way it works. And so just because you have one year that's above, that does not tell you anything. It tells you absolutely nothing, right? Um, so, And, this is, and, and so this, this is kind of the second problem I think that you were getting to with communicating in terms of an average when we say 10 weeks. Not only does it, do our customers interpret it as um, 100% certainty, but we have not given them any other information to get them off that 100%, get, get them off that anchor that it is 100%. Um, especially if we're dealing with an average, we're probably, you know, and potentially at best, somewhere around 50% certainty when we're talking about uh, an average.
1: Yeah, that, that 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 was kind of that that's that's the that for me was the biggest revelation when I started reading into this stuff a lot more and talking to you about this was it's amazing that I have in past communicated forecasts based on averages but I have never added the oh yeah I'm only 50% confident in this. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure most people have, but usually no one hears that second part of, or no one communicates a second part of, yeah, it's, it's going to be 30 days, but I'm 50% confident there will be 30 days.
0: Yep. And we should talk about um, at, at some point, um, maybe not now, maybe, but maybe now. Um, so not, not only is there education needed in terms of the people doing these things to, Communicate a forecast, or sorry, sorry, to you know, to to generate the forecast and communicate it. But there's also education that needs to be done on the customer side to understand. Because you know, when 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 we talk about humans and thinking probabilistically, we are just terrible, just absolutely terrible at thinking probabilistically. So if a customer hears, you know, oh, you've got you know, 50% chance of being done within 10 weeks, or you have an 85% chance of being done within 20 weeks. You know, mm-hmm. you know, do they really understand how to think about those things or will they constantly, will they just say, oh, well, of course, we're going to go with the 10 weeks number. You know, yeah. I don't know if we should talk about that now or, or maybe later, but.
1: Uh, well, I think, I think we've hit upon it a couple of times already because your your um, your Google Maps example is exactly that, right? That, that it says 39 minutes, but it doesn't convey with it how confident Google is in saying 39 minutes. Um, and and the, as a customer, I would just take that that would just go. Hey, thirty-nine minutes. That's what it is. Right. But I think. I think there is definitely some room for um, conveying the forecast with some probability and having the customer understanding it as well.
0: Okay. Well, so let's 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 maybe take a step back because we've we've really kind of jumped into kind of deep end of of probabilistic <laughs> thinking, um, and 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 maybe haven't quite quite explained. I know you and I have talked about this so many times that hopefully we're not talking over, over people's heads here. But, you know, what what does it really mean to think probabilistically? You know, we've, we've said a lot about determinism. You know, a deterministic world is, you know, you, you believe you've got 100 percent certainty. Right. That's or, wh- wh- I guess whether you believe it or not, what well, you kind of making this implicit assumption that there is 100 percent certainty. So when we say we're not in a deterministic world, we're in a probabilistic world. I mean what what does that really mean? I mean how do, how do I how do I think probabilistically? How do I how do I interpret that? What you you know what I mean? what can, can can you give us some tips in terms of how to start thinking probabilistically?
1: Well, I mean tip tip number 1 is first just just accepting that there is more than one result. Yeah. Right? more than one result possible and and then probably the easiest thing to do is to start thinking in terms of just well, to to start thinking in this direction is to start thinking in terms of binary results. Just you know, my my favorite example, and I know my wife will watch this later, so she'll yell at me then. Is <laughs> is my wife going to buy something on Amazon today or not? The answer. It could be yes or no. I don't know.
0: That's but fairly like, deterministic. I don't know. That's uh, <laughs> that's probably not a good example.
1: <laughs> if I, if I, especially before we went into quarantine, if I looked at the <laughs> looked at my Amazon history, I guess the question should have been how many things, not if. Yeah. There you, but, there
0: you go. But let's start
1: binary. Let's start binary. Uh, if I looked at my last sixty days of 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 our Amazon account history. And if she had bought something, let's say whatever, 54 of those 60 days, then I would say there's a 90%. My hist- recent history, at least, tells me there's a 90% chance, based on my recent past, that she's going to buy something. Now, frankly, if I look at the last 30 days, it's probably 100% chance. So that's when we get into the next step of it. Well, once we've gone past binary, now let's say. Is she going to buy one thing? Is she going to buy two yeah. things? Is she going to buy three or four things? Right. And that's, yeah, that, that's how I would start thinking about it.
0: But yeah, so let, let, let's, let's, let's pause and stress that for, for just a second, because to me, to me, that's the crux of the issue is whenever we start thinking probabilistically, it just means a fundamental acknowledgement that there is more than one possible future outcome. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, when we flip a coin or we're rolling a dice, a, a die or whatever, There's more than one possible future outcome. And before the event, we can't say, again, with 100% certainty, which outcome is going to happen. Um, And generally speaking, each outcome or each range of outcomes will have a probability associated with it. But that's, I think people need to understand that, right? Before, Before we do anything, like especially in software development, before we start on the story, before we start on the project, before we start on the whatever, there is more than one possible outcome. The story could get done in two days, it could get done in three, it could get done in 43, right? We just don't know um, when, when that item is, is sitting in the backlog. Uh, thankfully, there are some tools that we can use to kind of model what those probabilities might be, um, which we hopefully we'll get into, like I said, probably in some later episode. But just so everybody's clear, thinking probabilistically is just simply acknowledging there's more than one possible future outcome um, and we don't know which, which one's gonna happen.
1: There's um, I don't know how political we want to get with this, but not not too yeah. much, I guess. Yeah, go but, go for it.
0: Go for it. <laughs> I mean, before, there's, there's plenty of whiskey in the world.
1: There's plenty of whiskey. Hey, some some folks might need to drink some too, if you're listening slash watching this. Um, just before the twenty sixteen election results came out, um, I, I remember actually right after that, I remember after after Donald Trump got elected, um, there was this backlash against Nate Silver. That he is no longer able to predict elections.
0: He got it wrong. Yeah, there was everybody. Oh, hey, yeah. Nate, Nate Silver got it wrong. Nate Silver got Silver. it wrong. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I,
1: I found it amazing because I, I I was following the exit polls and and the polling on his website for a while, and on the eve on election eve, um, his his numbers showed a twenty one percent chance of. Actually, twenty three percent, twenty three percent chance,
0: twenty five percent, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, of, of Donald Trump getting elected, and, and and the remainder was was for Hillary Clinton. Uh, in other words, one out of four elections, Donald Trump wins. We should not be surprised that that outcome happened because the 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 answer was never a yes and an or a no. The answer was never Trump or Hillary. The answer should have always been X percent probability, it's Trump, Y percent probability, it's Clinton. Uh, and that's, I think it goes back to the point that you were making earlier that even us as consumers of information are not, um, have not been educated in the way to understand that information very well. And I think that's why there was this big backlash against Nate Silver saying he got it wrong. Meanwhile, to a to, to good extent, I think he got it right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he certainly. I think he certainly gave a much higher probability of Trump winning uh, than, yeah. than most did, for sure. And I agree. Yeah, absolutely. We should not be surprised. I mean, every on average, you know, Trump wins every fourth election. It just so happens he won that first one, right? Yep. Um, he would have probably lost the next three, the next three or four. We, you know, but whatever. That's that's again flaw of averages type thinking there. But, um, uh, but what's uh you know I think. And I had something profound to say. Oh, I think what we should talk about um, again later. And we keep saying that every time we say, "Hey, we're going to talk about this later." We're, we should take we're going to take a drink. Yeah, right? that's, so yeah, that's well, going to be our new that's going to be our new drinking game. Um, these,
1: these will get done real fast. But this
0: <laughs> but this, this is going to be one of the problems that we're going to have to solve, or at least consider, when we start talking about building models to communicate forecasts. Is when we get a result um, that is not something that we were, you know. Necessarily expecting, like, like Trump winning an election. Right. The question necessarily has to be: well, did we just get unlucky? I mean, which is which is you know a possibility, or is the model wrong? You know, was right. the model just giving us you know wrong information? Um, and making a distinction between those two things is is difficult, if not impossible. Um, yeah. So that would be interesting to kind of talk about some of the things you might you might look for for that. I, I for one, would say I don't know that I have a good answer for that.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's that's uh, that's the second degree of probabilistic thinking. Which, if, if degree one is hard, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, we're meta, meta, meta now at that point. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so so bringing it back to uh, deterministic versus probabilistic. So the, you know, um, we we've talked about the flaw of averages. Uh, we've talked about you know communicating things. Um, in terms of a deterministic you know single precise number versus versus giving a you know a probability, what are some other things that we need to that we need to say when we're we're considering deterministic versus probabilistic thinking? How do we start you know moving the needle? how do we start making people make this paradigm shift from deterministic thinking to probabilistic thinking
1: yeah as far as human understanding and behavior goes I'm, I'm, i'm not that certain <laughs> this yeah. is where i think we need to lean on some of the work like like nudges from richard taylor and that kind of stuff uh, how do we how do we move the needle in that because um it also depends on as you said how do how do we communicate this forecast and how do we make it palatable that you know this the, we have these range of answers and this is this is these are the probabilities for each of these those answers somehow it seems like Folks uh, in in Vegas have figured it out when they make odds. <laughs>
0: Absolutely, so, yeah. Yeah, somehow well, they figured it out. So I think I think you've hit on something that we we definitely should maybe go a little bit deeper on is that a lot of people think when we start talking about probabilities and and maybe even step taking a step back uh, when we're talking about kind of randomness in general because that's really what we're talking mm-hmm. about is is you know how we're we're dealing with. Uh, with random processes we're dealing with stochastic processes maybe we remember the the conversation we had in brighton about random versus stochastic yeah I yeah
1: sure. i i i that that will require everyone to have a lot more wisdom. yeah
0: we should have we should have recorded <laughs> that one too uh, but anyway when we're dealing when we're dealing in this this um you know prob- probabilistic world um and i've already had too much to drink because now I've, I've completely lost lost my train of thought what was i talking about before do you, you even were remember talking,
1: you were taking a step back from probabilistic thinking.
0: Yeah we're going to to, we're going to have to rewind the tape and maybe you know maybe maybe edit, something. yeah you know ed, ed, edit was, this part i think we What's went
1: it? we went into Taylor and nudge and how do we communicate and help people understand you
0: know, yeah it's gone maybe 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 drunk agile's maybe not not a not a not a good idea i don't know um,
1: i i i disagree
0: <laughs> um, oh yeah we because we were talking about we were talking about casinos and oh yeah, now and I remember. Thank you. See, I had to, just had to have a sip. When we're talking about random, you know, random processes or stochastic processes, most people equate randomness with unpredictability, yes. and so I think that's why your casino, your casino example, is so apropos. Because just because you have a random process, and here's the deal: I mean, most the, ah, we, we we need we need people to understand that probability is intrinsic to what we do. It's not it's not a result of what we do. Mm-hmm. It's intrinsic to what we do. So, because we're kind of dealing with random processes, you know, we think of cycle time as a random process or throughput as a random process and things like that. Um, Random though, however, random does not mean not predictable. Random processes can be very predictable. Um, This is something that, you know, quantum physicists had to grapple with way back Mm -hmm. when, when they were checking out classical physics, you know, and and going to quantum. I mean, randomness is just intrinsic to nature, but just because, it's it's random. Doesn't mean that we can still not start making predictions about uh, about certain behavior. And so that's the good news because we've been talking all all this time about well, there's no such thing as hundred percent. Most people think well, if there's nothing, if there's no hundred percent, how do I plan? How do I forecast? How do I do all those things? Um, we can still. The, the idea is going to be about from a casino example, you know, how do we maximize our betting strategy, if you will, mm-hmm. over the long term? So we're placing. Um, for the most part, as much as we can, profitable bets.
1: yeah, it's it's actually you, you you just reminded me of another thing, which is I think Annie Duke says this in her book, Thinking in Bets. I think she says this in the preface of it that um, poker hands are completely random. but and people think it's a game of luck, but somehow the same five to six people, end up on the final table of the World Series of Poker every year because mm-hmm. they have discovered that random does not mean unpredictable and how they can harness uh, the strategies from that unpredictability.
0: Right, and so that's, I think that's the good news. I mean, I think that's, that's what people really have to walk away with. As you start shedding this idea that the world is not deterministic, um, you know, you might be crying, you might be grieving, um, but really, it never was anyway, so you never should have thought that it was deterministic. But the good news, if there is a light at the end of the tunnel, the good news is we can still, we can still be predictable. It's just we're going to fundamentally have to change um, what being predictable means and just recognize that we are going to be wrong from time to time. We're going to be wrong because that's just how the world works. Right? That's, yep. that's just what it is. Let's, let's, let, you know. Let, let, the sooner that we can embrace that, I think the more successful we can be in terms of in terms of our forecasting,
1: yeah, and then and, and probably and this is again we're, we're talking about things that we won't talk about today. <laughs> probably even beyond that, once we discover uh, what makes us predictable in a probabilistic world, we work on those things so that we can be more increasingly confident in our predictions. Yep. Um, same thing that the poker players do. Same thing any good professional athlete does. Um, when 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 Tom Brady throws a ball down down the field, the difference between it's it's possible for him. It's possible to miss the receiver uh, or to hit the receiver. For me, it's possible to miss the receiver or hit the receiver. But his probability is a lot higher because he has done a whole bunch of work even toward making himself more predictable.
0: That that that's that's a key point. And again, this is this is probably <laughs> another episode in itself. But the idea is a lot of the randomness that we experience is under our control, right? We have direct influence over you know over it. So this is yet another you know, another piece of good news is that we can control while we again while we can't directly. Uh, determine the outcome, we can control a lot of the randomness that affects us. And when we were, you you see this all the time, when we work with teams, a lot of the unpredictability, if you will, in their process is stuff that they're doing to themselves. Um, And and by a lot, I mean the majority and potentially a vast majority, a super majority of the randomness that we experience um, is stuff that's under our control. It's only really gonna be a very, very small percentage of that stuff that's completely outside of our control which so now we're now we're getting into variability and things like that which is a that needs to go on the whiteboard we need to have
1: <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I had modeling up there but I guess between monte carlo and modeling we should talk about variability. Probably, probably
0: variability or or something like that um so and that's you know and and that's that's key is when we start getting into um Mining our data and understanding our metrics and things like that—you know, recognizing all right, what's the stuff that's under, the, the data will tell us. What's the stuff that's under our control? What's the stuff that's outside of our control? And being able to categorize those things um, will necessitate a different strategy, right? We'll, we'll take one set of actions if the stuff's under our control. We'll take another set of actions if the stuff's not under our control. It seems—it seems like common sense, but as everybody knows, common sense is not so common. So um, I don't know where where are we on the whiteboard? <laughs> we've so, kind of we're yeah, kind of so all over the place.
1: Today today was supposed to be mostly a deterministic versus probabilistic thinking, and uh, s- second point was supposed to be thinking in probabilities. I think we've done a pretty decent job of covering those. We might might talk a little more about those. Um, next time was supposed to be just introducing some of the tools, uh, specifically Monte Carlo. As a way to 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 put that probabilistic thinking that we have discovered into practice. Uh, we've just added variability as the next topic after that. <laughs> and then eventually modeling and how how do we make sure that those Monte Carlo simulations or whatever we're running uh, is actually modeling real behavior.
0: Yep. Um, so I agree. I mean, so if 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 hopefully um, so the, the outcome we're looking for in this video is getting people to shed, uh, shed their notion of determinism and, and start to embrace probabilistic thinking. The next evolution of that is, okay, well, so now, now, now I've embraced probabilistic thinking, what are the tools that are at my disposal um, to be able to start communicating some of those probabilities to me? And you know, you touched yeah. on one Monte Carlo, that's, that, you know, that, that's for some other time. So to, I guess to set us up for next time, which will be Monte Carlo, you know, is there anything else that we we really need to say about probabilistic thinking, um, so that the people can transition, um, you know, or, you know, over to this this new world?
1: Um, the only thing that 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 I would say is that the best predictor of current or future behavior is past behavior. That's 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 the unless unless we have just discovered efficiencies or whatever and we're going through a big change the the best behavior is is past behavior. the best predictor is the past behavior and we should be looking to that to inform us of where we are headed
0: yeah i mean that and yeah that 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 is a key point um and, and that's that's all over the place too that's that's monte carlo and modeling right, right is <laughs> you know is does does the past that we have data for really reflect the future that we're trying to forecast? And I agree with you, more often than not, it's probably gonna be more often than not the case that the past that we do have data for is going to um, reflect the future, especially if we're doing the things that we talked about, controlling that randomness that we have control over. If if we can do that, then we can be fairly confident that, hey, the data set that we've got um, predicts the future. This this is one thing, um, you know, also that we'll get into some other time is we hear this all the time. We go into teams, you know, uh, oh, we we just don't have any data or this, this is a brand new team. This is a brand new project. This is a brand new. We don't have any data. We can't do any, any forecasting. Uh, chances are, you know, when, when yeah. you really start digging, the problem isn't that you don't have enough data. The problem is you've got too much data and now we need to filter out and decide, okay, which of that data is really relevant uh, for our forecasting. So. Um, tell you, what, you know, as, as always, since I'm hosting, I'm happy to give you, give you the last word, if there's anything you want to say in terms of wrapping this episode up, because I think, I think we've, we've,
1: uh, yeah, we've, we've, we've definitely dead this beat horse. Yes. Um, no, I, yeah. I think, I think, I think we're, 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 we're nicely set up for, for the next installment of this. Um, and guess till then, it
0: Yes, <laughs> sláinte. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess, uh, the problem, one of the problems going forward with our, our Drunk Agile uh, series is because we are in quarantine or lockdown right now, slowly opening up, um, we're, gonna be, we're gonna be going through our stocks fairly quickly. So we might, we might have some repeats because um, I keep giving all my good whiskeys away. So we might have some re- repeats in our, our whiskeys. But um, when, we, when we get into some of these deeper topics, that's gonna require some, some heavy, heavy whiskey drinking.
1: And 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 maybe as we post these and as we as we talk about these, I think I, I, we would welcome some real life questions out from from people watching. Because um, sure, we can. Uh, if if you if you haven't ever been in a room with either Dan or I, we can talk for hours without listening. So we would like to hear back and see what 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 you guys are thinking and actually. Uh, probably answer those questions
0: right um and especially recommendations on on whiskey but none of that peaty smoky crap right no no, no peaty smoky no,
1: and,
0: no peat um, yeah that doesn't work real real whiskey drinkers don't drink peat by the way definitely um, all right well so <laughs> thanks everybody for 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 listening in on this latest episode of of drunk agile and uh we'll see you in the next episode good night and cheers